0: Mr. Fishoff, thank you very much for joining me today. So well,
1: I you'd call me David, my father okay. was Mr. Fishoff. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir.
0: Uh, uh, thank you, David. <laughs> um, you know, I did have an opportunity to watch the movie that you sent me, but I really want to kind of start off with who you are, give a little background, okay. if you wouldn't mind telling the story. I know that we have the story. If you go out there and no, watch the movie, lot, you're going to stuff. get to see that. You know, but-
1: it's, I tell you, it's been interesting because you know, I, I'm, I'm reading Bill Graham's book. I just re, re, re reordered it from Amazon. And, you know, Bill is my idol. You know, he was, the, was probably the biggest promoter out there, re, the original concert promoter. Um, and it started with the Fillmore East, the Fillmore West. And I'm reading his history. And and because I, I, I didn't remember reading the book. I, I met him years ago when I was producing uh, The Monkees. I used to rehearse all my shows up in the Catskills. And it's funny how we came from similar backgrounds and the more I read about him. But, you know, my dad was a Holocaust survivor. He's a Holocaust survivor. He was. And uh, came to America and uh, he went to work in the Catskills. And the the Catskills is a place up in New York State where um, they had over 100 hotels at one time. And it was a great vacation. People didn't have, you know, they couldn't afford to fly. They couldn't afford to go far away. So if you lived in the East Coast and you were two to four hours from the Catskills, you went to one of the hotels there, and you um, you went to one of the hotels, and you, and you stayed there for a week. And in that one week, for $100 a day, probably, or even less, depending on the hotel you stayed at, you got three meals a day. You got a breakfast, you got a lunch, a dinner, and then you had a tea room that was open all day, where you can eat cake, and you can you just stuff your food face with all the food in the world. And then it, every evening, they would have a show with a singer and a, a vocalist and a comedian. And, you know, and these people would go to the shows and they wouldn't laugh. They, wouldn't, they were afraid to be entertained because they looked at the performer, I dare you to entertain me, because they had gotten, um, they had gotten all this food for free and they sat there and they would just felt so stuffed that uh, they looked at the comedian and said, okay, I dare you to make me laugh. <laughs> so these, these comedians, they would have to find a way to entertain these people. And the funniest comics came out of the Catskills. David Brenner, Richard Belzer, Henny Youngman, Rodney Dangerfield, Billy Crystal. All these people started in the Catskill Mountains. And they would entertain these audiences who'd ne- who paid like one price to eat all they want, to be entertained. They played bingo all day. They went swimming. You name it. They did every activity in the world so now these comics had to get up there and they had to make these people laugh so what do they do you, you got a guy like Larry best a very funny comic he walked out and he said you know it's a pleasure to be here at my favorite hotel and then you see him look at a piece of paper the Concord hotel and he said listen I had a rough day I went to the dentist today and I had a tooth extracted and I'm, I'm and he'd have to and all of a sudden you see about five chiclets come out of his mouth. (laughs) I mean, these guys were so funny. They had to entertain these audiences and they became the best comics in the world. And when Engelbert Humperdinck and Tom Jones saw these comics, what they did to the audiences, they took them on the road. And when these guys went on the road, and and then they even, the audiences who paid for a ticket. And that's really where I started. I started in the Catskill Mountains. Every night there was a show, I was a waiter. And we really learned a lot about show business up there. What real show business is? Give them yeah. hits.
0: So there. There, there was a point in time, though, you you, you realize that um, sports was where it was at for you, right?
1: We're going to get into sports. So then All what right. happened was, now if you saw the movie Dirty Dancing, again more Catskills. So if you see, it's not in the in the in the movie Rock Camp, but I did produce a very successful tour called. Dirty Dancing, and it re- was really about the the life in the Catskills with Bill Medley and Eric Carmen. Um, so I started in the Catskills, and I was booking these comedians, and I would go to, th- then I started booking these artists, and I would book them in bungalow colonies. I'd book them in hotels, I'd book them wherever I could get gigs. And what happened with them was that we would go to the artists, and we would say to the artists, hey, we'll give you, we'll go to Henny Youngman, for example, and I worked at this company, this agency, And they would say, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we'll guarantee you, Henny, 50 shows. We're going to book anywhere. We might book you a bungalow colony. We might book you a guy's bar mitzvah. (laughs) We might book you to open for for Tom Jones at the Concord Hotel. But you're going to get 50 shows, and we're going to pay X amount of dollars. Well, that was the first thing I learned, is how to package artists and produce shows. So that's where I got that education from. Now... I'm I'm booking these comedians and singers, and I would go to try to get paid from the the hotel owner or the bungalow colony owner, and I I, I, you know I worked my way up from uh, from a a waiter to become a booking agency. Now all of a sudden they uh, I go get the go after the Saturday show I go collect the check, and the owner of the hotel would say to me, you know, he wasn't funny. I'm taking off twenty five dollars. He wasn't that funny, (laughs) or uh, the singer. She didn't do a song for Broadway, Fiddler on the Roof, or anything in the Yiddish language. She didn't do it. I'm taking off $50. And and here I was negotiating, working so hard to get these people working on such a profit that I'm staying in a camp, and I see the camp had Dr. J show up and and to make an appearance. The great NBA star shows up to this camp. They pay him, I think, $2,500. Here I am booking $7,500 comics. He gets $2,500 to show up, and you see 2,000 kids going crazy. And all he's got to do is dunk the ball, take pictures, sign autographs, and he leaves. I said to myself, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong business. I got to get in this pro sports business. So I worked my way into I went to see Larry Fleischer, who was the head of the NBA Players Association. And I said, hey, at the time, I said, could I get some ball players from the you represent? And I'll and I'll book them in camps and appearances. And he was so nice to me. I walked in, I was twenty years old, and he gave me the opportunity. And he said, Here, take these couple ball players, take your, your commission, and just treat them really well. And I booked his a lot of his players, Earl the Pearl and Daryl Dawkins and David Thompson and such great players. And so then that's when I decided I'm gonna move in the sports business. And I went to become a sports agent and um, I started representing lupinella the yankees and um and, and he introduced me to uh, i mean elliot maddox and then lupinella and then i started being ball ball players and phil sims and vince farragamo and i started getting players now there weren't a lot of agents back then and there were a lot of good agents because people didn't know what to do i had knowledge for the entertainment business how to represent people and how to look out for their best interests so i did the sports for a long time and um but you know, problem with professional sports as an agent is it's really all, all it's all about show me the money. I mean, that's the bottom <laughs> line, and you got to befriend these 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 players, you know, and and which is really important. They need guidance, so uh, you know, I did. I befriended many of them, and as I, I, I started doing better and better for these players, and my name got out, so they were calling me, and I was representing these players and, and getting them great contracts as much as I could for uh, the NFL because they didn't have the agreement they have now. And um, but I also had the entertainment business in my in my pocket, and I was still doing that, so I wasn't beholden to a team owner. So when I didn't get along with the, with the Rams, I I made a deal for Vince Ferragamo to go to Canada because uh, you know they were going to underpay him, and he had nowhere else to go. Uh, and Canada I made mean, us a huge offer, so I, I was I, I was able to become a, a, a you know a sports agent and really put a lot of time into it. I picked up a lot of the New York Giants. Um, Phil Sims was generous and he recommended me to all his all offensive line and Jim Burton so I'm doing that and while I'm doing that it's fun it's good and these guys were great and they were appreciating everything I was I was helping them I then went uh, got a phone call one day and said I, am I interested in representing the association and the association was a a, a great band Cherish Wendy Never my love I had never heard of them but I was sharing office space with Shep Gordon the great manager of Alice Cooper and Teddy Uh There was another manager who, was, who I was renting space from, who was managing the B 52s, the Talking Heads, the Ramones. And all these guys had gold records on the wall. And uh, they were dealing with these rockers every day. And I said to myself, I want to be in this business. So I started you know, with the association, who wasn't, it was really a, a, a no band, not, not even, a, it was an oldies band. And, but I decided to work with them, did a great job for them. And then all the other bands, the Turtles and the Grassroots, and Sp- Spanking Our Gang and Mamas and Papas, and you know they all start calling me, and would you represent would you represent us? I was getting I was booking the association a lot, and um, so um, I got in the packaging business. I took all these bands. I couldn't find them all jobs. I started packaging them, and it took all the Happy Together tour uh, with the Turtles, and I did 130 shows. You know these people wanted these fairs and these festivals and these little theaters needed a show. And my rule of thumb was only hits. You know, you can't play any other song. It's gotta be a hit song or else, you know, Mm -hmm. don't get on that stage. I I say this all the time. If you have, if you're going to a show and you you have two hours of these people's precious time, you better give them the hits. That's it, they're not going, if they want to hear an obscure song, they can stay home. That's usually the bathroom break. So, uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've had fights with artists, uh, big names without going to names. Oh, I want to close the show with this new song that I have. I said, no. I said, we won't sell any merchandise. I said, people will be bored. You know, I'll close the first half. I said, no. I said, you know, first sell a lot of records and, um, or do a medley of of all your hits, you know, but it would really upset me because people want to hear the hits. And... um, so that, therefore, that's what I started doing, and uh, it became very lucrative.
0: I was going to say, you're absolutely right. Sometimes you go to these shows, and then the bands will try these obscure songs, or they're, hey, we got a new album. I'm going to try this brand new one that I haven't even released or talked about. And, and you're going, wait a second, I spent my money, and I'm here spending two hours of my time. What is this?
1: Exactly. And you know, and there's some artists who, you know, they treat their audiences like Bob Dylan. You don't know what you're <laughs> going to get. You know, and he thinks it's really cool. I think it's absurd. And you go to one of his shows and not hear blow it in the wind or one of his hits. So, but now, you know, you know, you're going to go to his show and know you're going to take what you get. But the bottom line is, is that um, I started just doing these package tours where I really learned from the Catskills. And I produced Happy Together One and Two. And then the monkeys came along and we going to do them in a package. And, and simultaneously, I was doing the, um the monkeys mtv the small the small fledging network as the president at the times called it uh decided they were going to promote 24 hours of monkeys and my ticket sales went from you know three thousand four thousand they went to twenty five thousand. i mean 1986 was the, the biggest year for the monkeys ever and all of us and simultaneously at the same time i had eight of the new york giants that they win the super bowl so it was crazy you know <sighs> phil sims writes in his book he says our agent was so busy with the monkeys. <laughs> you know, we had to beg him to come to games, you know? And, uh, but they were great. You know, those giants were great. You know what? I'll tell you what's great about having sports and entertainment. These athletes really taught me how to win. I mean, you know, mm. Lou Pinello was just such an, what a what a figure of, you know, I know you're in Seattle and, and he, he managed Seattle Mariners for years. He, he he's a winner, you know, Phil Sims, they're winners. they, they work out every day they they're winners you know If you got to you made it to a super bowl you made it to a world series you're a winner and i learned a lot from these people
0: can i ask you something about that because you've worked, sure. um uh, well-known famous you can people on-
1: whatever you want cuz i'm on your show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you control and you control the dial
0: <laughs> i'm going to call you the boss though <laughs> but um it, like you said, you've learned something from these guys in the sports arena. Now, with the musicians, are they do they have the same work ethic as okay. far as the go getter, the, that killer, you know, attitude? I'm going to get it. It's
1: a different attitude, but I'll tell you what it is. Now that I own Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and I run these camps for the last 25 years, and we'll discuss the
0: movie.
1: How mm-hmm. Can't tell you how many times a musician, a, a camper, will come to one of my camps. And they'll tell me, you know, I, I fill out the form. I'm really an excellent musician, and then I go to the or, or the celebrity or somebody, and I go to one of the rockers and the counselor in his band because you get mentored by these rock stars. And I say, hey, is that guy really good because I'm not a musician. I've tried. I can't. I can't get my hand on the whole and <laughs> that F chord, and I, I, I gave up. So I just dabble, but I'm really not good. And you know what the guy said to me one day? He said, you know what? He's not good. He's he's okay. He's passable. He's a weekend guy. And uh, he likes to play with his band on the weekends. But the bottom line is, is a guy like Joe Walsh, a guy like Bruce Kulik, a kiss, they play their guitar five hours a day to get their fingers going, their positioning. A drummer like Vinnie Appice, he practices five hours every day. These people, to their, to, to their instrument, they play with that instrument five hours, because that's their full-time business. Yeah. so they have to be really good at it so that's number one that's what they have the go-getter thing is some people are just great musicians and artists and they let the manager be the go-getter and um and then some are our go-getters because they want to promote their careers but two things these artists have i've seen my from all my lifetimes number one they have the passion they have the passion to make it to become to, to be the best of the, they can be in their profession and I was doing 160 of these kind of, kinds of interviews over the, the um, uh, pandemic. And we did these master classes where we sold tickets. You know, you can talk to Alice Cooper, talk to Roger Dolce, talk to Chef Gordon. And most of these artists gave the money to their charities or Sticks gave it to their band and um, they gave it to their band, the, the crew guys. And but we conducted Brit Lightning from uh, uh, Vixen who was my musical director and I, we conducted these classes and they all had, they all had one common denominator, passion. Passion, Mm -hmm. passion, passion. passion. In order to be successful, these artists had the passion to succeed and the passion of their instrument that's like no other. And, you know, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, you know, when you see the movie, there's a lot of stories that we showed four, but you, you know, over the years, we could have showed a thousand stories. And because everybody has a story. And I forget this one lady who didn't make the cut, but her story was amazing. She came to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. She was a breast cancer survivor. Um, And um, she came to the camp that uh, Meatloaf was uh, working at and was mentoring. And uh, I asked her to come back because she wrote a book called Rocking in the Pink. Um, about her experience at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. She was a lawyer. She left camp, and, you know, she wrote this book. And I called her, would you come for an interview? And she came in for an interview, and um, and I said, Laura, you know, it was amazing that, um, you know, that you wrote this book after experience. And But I'm going to ask you a question. When you leave camp, I put you through four days of an amazing experience, and it really is. I, I give you, number one, I treat everyone like the Ringo Starr, because that's, you know, that's what you have to do you got to treat them like celebs, and, and they're celebrities. And I told the rock stars, it's about these campers. We're going to change their lives. we got four days to mentor them and change their lives. And I said, when you leave camp, were you depressed? Did you come down? What did it feel like to go back to your job on Monday? And she said, no. She said, David, I learned from these rock stars the passion and the belief and and what they're about. And I decided I'm going to take that same uh, – the. I'm going to take that same lesson that I learned from them. They had an opportunity to, you know, once they left high school, college, to get a real job like me, but they went for their dream. And they went for their passion. And I decided to take their beliefs and I'm going to put it into what I'm going to, I decided I'm never going to walk to a law firm again. I'm going to quit being a lawyer and I'm going to be a writer. And I am the number one fiction writer um, for Amazon today. And Lauren Rowe, and she's written 14 books of fiction, and now they're turning them into T V shows. But wow. what she learned from being around these rock stars and their belief and who they are and what they're about and comes first. And yeah. they didn't follow their parents. Oh, I have to go, you know, go to college or I I'm gonna to go to college. I mean, Joe Walsh went to Kent State. I mean, so a lot of them, you know, but I'm gonna follow my dream. So you learn a lot from the music. So everybody you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot from everybody.
0: Well, you know that's the one. Uh, that's one of the takeaways I got from watching your uh, rock and roll fantasy camp movie is that the folks that went didn't go just rub shoulders with the famous people, the musicians. Uh, you know, there's that one where uh, you know one of the one of the guitar players, his son, I think, he had autism, yes. um, and it, it was about. To me, the, what what I got out of it was connecting, connection, and like I said, a passion and drive. It it didn't have to be music. They take it home for to something else. Um, I, I I love the the guy who's the drummer who had the opportunity. Well, Lenny Kravitz was his friend, and they are in a band together. Then he's got his daughters there, and he's talking about you know, I went and did something else. I missed my opportunity. But you know, to me, what I gathered from this is: look what he has. He's got a family. He's still happy. He's still proud. And yes. he went and did what he wanted to do on the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I mean, the stories that you have in this movie are f- fantastic.
1: And we have a thousand of them. Trust me. We we just could. You know, we we everyone's got a great story. There's yeah. so many amazing stories. Oh. That's Scott Keller, who you know, a uh, huge VP at McKinsey. To see how, what he's overcome with his son. And now, you know, son's coming to our next camp as a family. They're going to be a band. It really is beautiful. It's really so, and and I love, that's what I love so much about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is I'm in a different business now. I'm not in the business of promoting concerts. I'm not in the business of representing um, ballplayers. I'm in the business of changing lives and through the power of music. And really, that's what my life's about. And I enjoy it. You know what? I enjoy it much more now. You know i made a few bucks i don't have to live on the road i got married again i have two kids and um, two teenagers i got eight grandchildren and i just and, and, and three more kids i just i enjoy family mm-hmm. but I, I i and i but i think that I put the importance in changing lives and giving back and my daughter Alana, she's a uh, nutritionist for a company called beach body and she's, a, she's got a million five on, on TikTok. tock And she's called, called, I think, Nutrition Babe. That's Nutrition Babe. You know, she posts these pictures of these people, you know, the before and afters. They lost 80 pounds, and they lost 70 pounds, 100 pounds. And, you know, she taught these people a way of life, not even a diet. You know, she came up with this concept, water first, veggies most. But what's so cool is that, you know, she's changing lives. And, you know, you learn in life that if you can give and not worry about receiving, it's better in life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, and I definitely look at the rock and roll fantasy camp itself as giving, um, and, and it's it, giving. It,
1: it's really what it's it's a life changing giving experience. And and let me tell you, the the biggest issue we have is fear factor. People are scared. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. Me, I'm the fir- I'm the owner, and I get it. Why? A very good dear friend of mine invited me to the Michael Jordan fantasy basketball camp that he was running at one time. He said, I'm not going to Michael Jordan <laughs> fantasy camp. I don't care, it costs you 15,000. I'm not going up against Michael Jordan and looking like a fool. And I'm not going to play with three other guys, three on three, who play against Michael Jordan and who think they're gonna beat him. And you know, they oh, I'm gonna beat my, I'm gonna score on Michael Jordan. Well, you know what? So that's what happens at camp. People are scared. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid to be put in a band. I might not be as good as, and and I, and I tell them not to worry. Come. You will see the love that these rock stars have in giving back. I mean, D- Dave Mustaine, he's doing a camp for us in two months. If you can get to that camp, you better get to that camp because Dave Mustaine is the most giving guy in the world. And he, you know, really, you saw you see it in the film, how he just, it's really touching as I think about it, you know, just how much these rock stars... Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, how much they give, Roger Daltrey, and you know they've made it and they're live and now they feel like you know it's now my turn to give back. That's so why I got Jeff back to go to camp, you know.
0: Well, you know that's the one. That's another thing for me too is that I think that maybe people see these um, musicians, the famous musicians, and think that they are somebody else or something else, and not, they don't realize that they're. They're humans and they're people as well, and they oh, have 100%. hearts. Oh, <laughs> 100%. They have
1: hearts so, they, they put on their pants. You know, that famous line, they put on their pants every morning the same way we all do. Yeah. But yes, we, we, and you have a right to be an that. There's no question that they have um, extraordinary talent. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they have families. They have lives. They make their life their living, living on the road, you know, and, and entertaining people, which is a hard life. But, um, you know, and, and they have their careers are definitely longer than the athletes. Um, but I'll tell you another great thing you can learn from, from these rock stars. And I wrote a book about it 10 years ago and it's available on Amazon and it's called rock your business. Can you imagine how much we've learned from uh, how much you can learn from these rock stars who've kept their brand up for the last 50 years and they're selling out arenas and they're still selling the who and, 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 uh, I don't know, even the Rolling Stones, you know how much you can learn from them? They're selling out stadiums and they're grossing 12, 15 million a night. Now, let me tell you, though, how many businesses, you look back, were open 50 years ago. I mean, Hertz went bankrupt this summer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, so many brands haven't been as able to be as successful as, you know, Kodak or any of these kind of companies, been able to keep up their brands like these rockers who've kept up their brands. Right. And they've written songs that have stayed relevant. And um, so I've learned a lot. But just being around these people, and what an honor to be around these people, you can learn so much. I mean, that's why I'm reading Bill Graham's book over again, just because I want to say, what did I miss? You know, I read it 12 years ago. I want to read it again. And, you know, what, what made him such a great promoter?
0: Geez, should I look at you as the Gene Simmons of um, marketing? <laughs> You know, oh,
1: listen, Gene Simmons is—he's—I um, I can only tell you—he he comes off great in my film. He he was really amazing, um, and deep down inside, that's his personality um, off the field, you know, off the sta- you know, off the um, off the stage. But now, listen—he has a persona. Mm-hmm. I once asked him. I said, Gene, you know, you come across as. You know, your personality is, is, is more like a businessman, businessman than a rock star. And he says, there's enough rock stars. I always wanted to be a businessman. So I give him credit, you know. he's, You know, he he, he gives his advice, you know. And and um, but look at that brand. That yeah. brand oh. is still amazing. They just did a cruise this past week. I don't know. I said, sold it out and sold $4 million worth of cruises. I mean, they are a smart bunch of guys.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know kind of dive in a little bit more into the movie, yes, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So right. what made you decide to make this movie? Because Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp itself, uh, I'm not sure when you filmed it, but it was already around for like 20 plus years, right? right. 23 years or so?
1: Uh, a fellow named Jeff Rowe uh, approached me, and he was uh, over at VH1. We had done Dirty Dancing, and he, and he saw the success of, he knew my success, and he came to the camp. And he said, are you documenting this? Are you telling the story? And I said, no, but if you want to do it, you know, feel free to do it. And I said, uh, you know, I always wanted to get it as a documentary. I felt that it should get out there. I felt that, how many times you go see a movie and you watch a trailer and you you go see the trailer, you you watch a trailer and then you, you buy the movie and you're really disappointed because the trailer is so much better than the movie. It happens all the time. Well, the same thing with Rock and Roll Fantasy Game. I couldn't tell the story in a 30-second advertisement or a press review in two minutes. You actually got to be there to see this, to see the magic happen. And so when when Jeff came to me and said, you know, we want to make this movie, I said, okay. And, you know, I had a few different conditions. But, um, and I said, hey, open book. You know, do what what you want to do, but uh, I don't want to be in it. And he said, no, 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 you got to be in it. And I said, no, just to start making the film without me. It's about the campers. It's about these rock stars. And, uh, you know, he said, no, no. So I, I, for a year, I wouldn't be in it. Two, two years. It took five years to make. And then in the end, I I realized that people wanted my story. And people, you know, but, and I didn't give them the whole story in the sense that I did so much more. I did Mortal Kombat, Dirty Dancing. I tried to do as least as I can. But I wanted to really get across who I am, what I'm about, and um so i love the way the film came out i gotta tell you most people are they happy the way their films come out now nah, this that i love this film and it's 95 percent on rotten tomatoes and i love the reaction to people give it and um you know right now it's a uh, direct tv on the 4k channel and uh we're going to release it worldwide soon so slowly but surely you know when you're a first time filmmaker um and you know they, they take advantage of you as much as uh as much as a first-time <laughs> actress, you know, or a first-time musician. But Doug Blush, who edited it and, and produced it, also did an incredible job. You know, and he's won a bunch of Academy Awards, and yeah. and he's been around some amazing films.
0: I, I got to be honest and tell you, and everybody else that's watching and listening, that's going to watch and listen to this, is that I love movies. Uh, the most I've seen in one year at a movie theater is 108 movies in one year at the theater. Wow. I didn't know what to expect out of your movie. I thought, all right, what's it going to be? Is it just going to be some clips of this and stuff? And I'm just, you know, but no, I mean, I got hooked. I, re- got hooked. I I honestly got hooked. I started watching this and just watching the everyday people come in. They're talking about their lives. You know, the, the drummer who wants to be a singer, she came in. This is my third time coming here. It's my fifth year type of deal. And all the musicians, just the way everything was put together in the movie made it flow really easy and the time just it went by so how
1: many, i can't tell you how many people tell me they watched over and over again because they went i miss this rock star i miss that rock star no it's, <laughs> I, I was really happy when it came out um now the key is the distribution it's on apple it's on amazon prime um and then you can buy it on rockcampthemovie.com for $2.99 um and direct tv if you have direct tv but you know we'll get it on a stream or two and then we'll go worldwide. But to me, you know, it was a very hard film to make because, you know, they, first of all, Jeff went through three different directors because they all mm. wanted it all came out to be an infomercial, you <laughs> know, and, and lastly, no one's going to buy an infomercial. So I think the way Doug Blush did it at the end and he showed it because people do love this experience, but you have to show it's tough, and, you know, and show people's lives.
0: You know, you're absolutely right when you said that uh, maybe these other directors we're trying to make it like an infomercial, and that was my fears. Thinking, okay, this is just going to be a an extended infomercial. They're going to sell me something, and it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. not at all. So,
1: well, thank you so much. Really, yeah. thank you.
0: I will watch it again. Is my is my um, entrance code still good? If not, okay. $2.99, I can do it.
1: It's so good, absolutely. <laughs> just tell all your people and make sure you promote the website rockcamp.com and all the listeners to, to really catch it.
0: Absolutely. Actually, I know one guy, I was just uh, told this morning that um, that he actually went to your rock and roll fantasy camp. I think it's two two or three years ago. Ooh. um So, uh, how come I can't? Oh, no, he's going to kill me, too. W- we're friends, and I'm just coming to...
1: He's more than a friend he's a total stranger. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, no, so- oh, so sweet.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, great.
1: That's yeah. great. I mean what what a gift the guy has and 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 I hope we we I hope what I love about camp is we we perpetuate these people to start to to start a band to start their musical careers. And I, I think what's great about camp is you know Tony Robbins who I'm a big fan of and you know Tony Listen, he gives off the best information. That's it. He's giving you information. He admits it. It's not all him. It's he gives you the best from the best. And he says, you want to be successful in something, immerse yourself in, in it. And that's what Rock Camp is. It's a four-day immersion. Immerse yourself into the world of music, and you'll become successful.
0: Yeah, uh, but, but
1: you know, we, we, what was success? They're in bands. They form bands. They write songs. You know, unlike being a a, a, um, a baseball fantasy camp, at thirty five you're done. Your career is over, and you go to those those fantasy camps, and the guys are you know they all weigh four hundred pounds. You can hit the ball. They can't hit the ball over the fence anymore. <laughs> you know, but these rock stars are still selling out arenas. They're still selling out stadiums, and um, so you know you're learning really from the best. And look at Mick Jagger. He's the best example for us. You can still be a you can still be a a, a performer, and at eighty years old, Ringo Starr is going to go out and tour this summer. He's eighty one. Why ah, not? Why is, not?
0: You know, can you give a little story background about you and Ringo Starr and starting out the All Star Band? Because I've seen them three times, love, love them. and I was bummed the last time that they were out they didn't come through Seattle. Right. Can you give a little background story about well, that? sure. You
1: know, I went to Ringo. Um, I was doing these package tours, and I was doing the, the Dirty Dancing and Happy Together, the Monkees. And my business, I would go to these corporate sponsors who would really get behind me on these, um, on these shows because they were able to entertain their audiences um, by giving them tickets and meet and greets. And the president of Pepsi came to me and said, hey, put together your next best tour. We love what you do. And I came up with this idea to create uh, Ringo and the All Star Band. My brother was a drummer, and I decided that, you know, I always followed Ringo, who didn't, you know, and the Beatles. And I was there. I saw that at Sullivan show. And, um, and so I went to him and I wrote him a letter. Just like that, I wrote him a letter, FedEx a letter to his lawyer. And six months later, I got a call, you know, Ringo's interested in talking to you. Six months, you know, went over to England, pitched him the idea. I had a bunch of money that uh, pepsi had given me guaranteed me that i was going to make and um i gave it all to him and i said if you do this tour and and you know and i'll make my money when i sell the shows and um he said i was thinking the same thing <laughs> and uh so um you know we put this band together mainly his friends his pals and um uh, we went out on tour and it was incredible and you'll see the, you know, I was such. I'm a square guy compared to these rockers. And as you see in the film, you, you know, everyone loves it, loves the it. the story of Levon Helm and Joe Walsh and I. And um, you see a great fight going on, and you have to watch the film. I'm Not giving it away. You got to watch yeah. the film to see it. And um, but we had fun, and you know, I, I learned a lot. You <laughs> know, because I never went on the road on all on all my tours. I'd go out for a week. I'd go out for you know to the big cities and. Then I come home and go back to the big cities and come home. And, and you know, I really never spent time living on the road I, because I was always working on my next show. I was working on my, I had my ballplayers to represent. And, um, but with Ringo, he said to me, you know, when I signed him, he says, Are you on the road with me? And I said, Yeah, of course, you know. And when I decided I wasn't going to be on the road with him, you know, because that wasn't my life, I finally said, Okay, I'm going to go. And uh, I spent my life 15 years on the road. I gotta tell you, it was it, from to be on the road was amazing, to be around him and to, and to see you know his passion and the different musicians. It was hard on my family life, yeah. um, and then when I re- remarried and had teenagers, I, I just didn't. It was hard for me, and um, so that's why I decided. You know what? I want to do this camp full time, and um, but he's amazing. You know, he's out there thirty-one years still doing the the All Star Band tour. My Happy Together tour is still working. Dirty Dancing is still a live tour. So I, I feel um, I feel vindicated that I started some great shows, and people go and they get entertained by them. And um, while I don't want to be out there, uh, I really do my rock camp now.
0: All because your father said, quit playing that bass guitar. You played one show, it's like- a lot of out. lessons in that film. That's
1: great. You remember
0: <laughs> oh, that, yes? Oh yeah, like a lot of the night, lessons, I, I, life lessons. I really, I I really watched it, and
1: That's, oh, I know and, you did. <laughs>
0: and, like you said, there's not only does the the film give you life lessons, but here again, I, I say the takeaway for me is just to see at the fantasy camp, you get, you take away more than just the knowledge oh. of playing music or you know rubbing shoulders with people. You're making contacts with strangers who are musicians who strangers who are musicians that may have this uh similar problems as you at home it, it's just to me it's, it's all about this connecting
1: it's a connecting and and not only do the people make their best friends at camp the artists have all made their best friends at camp mm. within each other a lot of the campers and the artists have become best friends you have a guy who lives in seattle i'm not going nameless but he's best friends with steven tyler now you know and um, many of these artists um, are our best friends because you know Roger Dalton said a lot to me one day. I see all your cappers in the front row of my shows, and I said, you know why? Because they they played with you, they jammed with you. They're not going to sit uh, in the fifth row or eighth row. They only they, they don't know the last time they saw you was on stage. That's what they think. They can be on stage with you. So yeah, the relationship has been great. Roger got close to many of them for his charities and. They all built a relationship, and every rock star has really told me, especially the counselors. They say to me, "My best friends I met at rock camp." Hmm. So, no, there is definitely it's a great way to connect, meet me because you know you all have the same interest. You know, it's about about the power of music. And you know, I, in closing, I, I'll tell you a couple of stories. But one of the ones I love most is um, Joe Perry, who um, he he entered he was doing a Q and A a camp. And he turned to a guy and he said to him, So tell me, what do you do for a living? And he says, You know, that question, the guy asked him a question. And he said, What do you do? He says, Yeah, I'm a lawyer. And on weekends, weekends I, I play guitar in my band. And, and Jill turned to me and says, You know, you're full of shit. <laughs> 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 for <of> my expression, <laughs> for the podcast, we could say yeah, That's he right. He says, You're full of it. He says, You're a musician first. You do that legal bull crap to pay for your guitars. And the guy looked at, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's face it. A musician's a musician, and they'd rather be a musician. And, uh, yeah, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp gives you that opportunity. We have some great camps coming up. Uh, we can mention that. But m- one of the things I'm looking most forward to is, a Dave Mustaine's my, my next camp. And you can find the camps on rockcamp.com. But we're doing a women's only, which is really kicking ass. We're Nancy Wilson, Seattle again. Mm-hmm. And um, Lewis Etheridge, Ori, uh, Oriante, and Kathy oh. Valentine. You see these amazing people. And it's really women's only. And it's doing great. Um, and then another camp, I'm doing the Sounds of Seattle with Jerry Cantrell. Really? And Kim Thale of um, Soundgarden mm-hmm. and the original drummer of um, Pearl Jam. We're doing a camp. That's the President's Day weekend also in um in, in Los Angeles. So yeah, a lot of great camps. We're doing a songwriting camp we have a lot of great camps coming up Desmond child. So this has been fun. Wow.
0: Desmond child. Wow. Wow. Desmond <laughs> child. Thank you. You said it wow. All right. If you know uh, anything
1: about music, you know what a genius he is.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm wait, I'm going to look for an invite for me to come down with my camera to document it for you.
1: Sure. That'd be great. That's I'll, great. I'll, I'll
0: fly myself I'll fly myself down.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Child songwriting camp. Come we'll talk. Yeah. I love your guitars. What your guitars are they signed behind you or are they just your guitars?
0: Just my Here's the bad thing. I can only play one instrument. I've got 34 bass guitars. I still have not found the one that I love. And oh, wow. the bad part is my cheap Dean guitar. I love that. And then I p- played my Spectre last night at a rehearsal, and I love that sound, but I go back to the, my cheap basses.
1: Let me tell you something. It's whatever you feel comfortable with, you know, and, and it's nice that you can get the variety. Yeah.
0: So, I, so you've got guitars back there, and they, they definitely oh, got, you are know signed. What, I can't
1: play. They're all signed for me, whether, <laughs> you know. and I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I just I'm trying to figure this thing out. I have so much memorabilia signed from my entire career to David, to David, that one day I would to auction all off for charity. So if your name is David, you can have a great collection.
0: <laughs> I have a very good friend named David, who is a huge kiss fan. He'll buy okay. it. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, Tell
1: him to, I got some great stuff. Too. A lot of the Davidson.
0: You know, I, I, I've got, this is, totally off the uh, uh, sure. Rockefeller fantasy camp stuff but I your personality and your friendliness and your approachability is is awesome. it's great. and I want to know how many scooters do you own?
1: <laughs> so okay so I owned one. <laughs> I had two. Um, I finally got rid of the one. But let me tell you something. I, I'm not showing it here on the thing, but I just had a rotator cuff surgery oh. and uh, I fell off my scooter because I was stopping because someone wasn't paying attention and they were coming out of garage. I'm going back and forth. I love my scooter. I love to be outdoors. I'm here in LA. And then, and, and you know, <laughs> I love that. You know, I got these people with these fancy cars. You know, everybody in LA has got a fancy car. <laughs> they got a Tesla, they got a, a, a Lamborghini. And I said to them, okay, I love it. They come by, let me show you my new car. I just bought this Lamborghini. And I'll say to them, okay, let's go. We'll start from my house all the way to Beverly Hills. I'll race you. <laughs> and I, I'll be there 20 minutes ahead of time. There's so much traffic in LA that I just love, oh. you know? So I had no problems at all. And this was on a quiet street and the guy just came out and he wasn't paying attention. And I, and I tore my rotator car. So I love my scooters. But because it gets you around. But now I got to question myself. My kids are just saying, Dad, is it enough already?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had him first go, is that David getting on the scooter? (laughs) Where's the fancy car? Where's the chauffeur?
1: (laughs) You know what? None of that stuff. I'll tell you about, you know, like Roger Daltrey. He wears a pair of jeans. He's really one of my idols. I love the way he leads his life. It's about charity, about giving. Yeah. And you know it's not about collecting hundreds of cars and things like that. Other people have that you know they they got cars and you know makes them feel good simple I, you know the kiss simple kiss system, keep it simple right, and I think that's important it's important. you know what when you die, all that stuff means nothing when you're sick, it means nothing so yeah, it, being a son of a holocaust survivor, none of that stuff ever really impressed me
0: no it's um.
1: Too much work. Imagine you own a Lamborghini, and you're driving around L.A., and now you go to, to a restaurant, and you got to hand the keys to somebody. <laughs> you I, know, you spent $400,000, and this guy making $8 an hour is taking your car.
0: That, right. And he's going out
1: for a spin with it. Trust me, he's going out <laughs> for a spin with it.
0: <laughs> I, I'm too cheap and frugal. I'm thinking about... The maintenance costs and I, oh, I a,
1: and he's enjoying woo. your car, he's enjoying your car, you know, he's getting more enjoyment because he didn't pay for it. I'm you're right. nervous, you're nervous, you're so nervous because <laughs> you're afraid something's gonna happen to
0: it. Hey, David, um, I know you only have a couple minutes left. Um, do you mind telling us who signed the guitars that are behind you?
1: Oh, okay, great. Don Felder, um, he came to camp, Sammy Hagar, um and uh sammy's there joe perry's i got a lot of them uh, around my you know i always such... ask the rock stars dave think, can i have a guitar can i have a guitar <laughs> you know i always want one and uh today's world you have to put you know you put your name on it because they don't i don't want them to think i'm selling them so and i like having yeah. personalized they're nice
0: yeah. haynes
1: um but you know i've been always collecting them for years so i have them got um I got a nice one last night in the mail. Unexpected from Jimmy Iovine. I did his what? podcast, and uh, it was great. And he just sent me a gift.
0: Wow. Well, well I, what am I going to send you?
1: No, no. I didn't expect <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. If they're sending it. They want something. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, 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 not him. But,
0: this uh, has no. truly been a pleasure for me to thank you. You know, to meet you, um, have a conversation. Uh, there's so much more to talk about with you. I mean, there truly is. Uh, I really want the people to take away from this podcast is to go see the movie. It's, you know, don't wait for it to come out on the worldwide release type of thing. Grab Just it down.
1: Rockcamp.com. Go to rockcampthemovie.com and you get it for the two ninety nine. dollars 99 Go to Rockcamp, my, my website, you'll catch it. No, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It, yeah. um, and and we'll do this again. I'm I'm not, you know, I'll have other projects to promote. So we'll stay in touch.
0: Definitely, um, I would really appreciate that. And if I don't see that invite, I'm just gonna fly down there. I'm gonna look yeah, on your yeah, calendar. Be touch,
1: yeah, be in touch with me about, so. the, about the songwriting camp. We'll talk about sure. it. Sure.
0: All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I guess that's it. And uh, you, you. I, I I could talk forever, but
1: thank our, you so much, Chuck David. We'll be in touch.
0: Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, Mm thank you. Bye-bye. I just want to say thank you for watching this podcast and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did doing the interview. So please remember, if you're not subscribed yet subscribe, comment, rate, follow, all that stuff wherever you're watching your podcast or listening to the podcast. And remember, go to bandcampthemovie.com and for $2.99 you can rent and watch the movie. Again, This has been fantastic and thank you very much, all of you, for all of your support. So until next time, have a great one and we'll see you again. So long.